0: Good morning, middle family. Oh, that just sounded so tame. I say, good morning, middle family. It is so good to see you. You doing good? Isn't it beautiful outside? Who organized this day for us? This is the day. (laughs) I'm Jackie Lewis. If you're new here, we're just so glad to see you. If you've been away and you've come back, welcome home. We missed you. We missed you when you were gone. If you're online, what's up? Where are you? Some of you are outside in the park, and I'm jealous. Some of you are on the beach, and I don't I don't like you if you're on the beach, because I want to be on the beach with you. But wherever you are, we hope that you can feel connected to this community, because we feel connected to you. Today, right after worship, we're going to have a beautiful outside shebang that Elise has organized for us. Where's Elise? Up there. Woo-hoo! <laughs> All the cool people are in the, no, some of the cool people are down here. <laughs> But we're gonna be across the street in the park, so come hang out for a little while and just catch up with each other and do some socially distanced hugs or loves or all the things. There are so many ways to plug into the life of our community. They're playing on the slides, including um, Bible study, chat and chew, uh, programming that's for queer folks, older folks, black folks, we want you to come close and stay connected. Wednesday morning prayer, 8 o'clock. Check out the website and find out all the ways to get engaged. We have a beautiful guest musician today. Liz is here. John's out. Thank you so much for coming. We're glad you're here today, Liz. Okay, Everybody taking a breath. Think of God's goodness. God's goodness to you. Didn't we wake up this morning? Get started along our way. It's going to be a great day just because we're here. Tina, help us open with a hymn. Our friends from PBS are here, but pretend like you don't see them. (laughs) They're doing the back just with the finger thing right now. They're just, they can't, you can't really see them.
1: Good morning, middle. Please stand as you are able. Join us in our opening hymn. I want Jesus. And I mean all ages.
2: Hi, it's Reverend Natalie here, and I am here with...
3: Olivia.
2: This is my good friend, Olivia Milo. And where are we, oh, Olivia?
3: We are in Saugatuck, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And why are we in Saugatuck, Michigan? Because neither of
2: us live in Saugatuck, Michigan. We, we live, live in, in New York. Yeah, exactly. So what are we doing here?
3: Well, we're here because you're doing a show. Mm-hmm. And I'm here because my mom's doing a show, and I sort of get to help, and It's the just, same show. <laughs> yeah, and just be here, and beaches. And beaches,
2: the beaches are amazing. <laughs> So, um, let's get ready then because Olivia has graciously volunteered to help me with the message for all ages, so that is this time. If you are young or young at heart, we invite you to come down in the sanctuary to the front or stay where you are, it's up to you. Or um, if you're in front of your computer screen, get a little closer. This is your moment. If you're on the couch in front of the TV, snuggle up under the blanket. We are going to talk about this year's church theme, which is Reclaim, Reframe, Repair, Rebuild. Do you know those words? Reclaim, um, reframe, repair, do. rebuild. Okay, okay. Well, let's just do one word at a time, yes. all right? Um, reclaim.
3: Get something back. Like. Mm-hmm. That's mine, thank you. Thank you.
2: <laughs> what about reframe?
3: Um, I'm not too sure on that one.
2: Okay, let's come back to it. Um, repair?
3: Uh, like, fix something, like.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is yeah. that hammering? <laughs> what about rebuild? <laughs>
3: Well, rebuild is sort of
2: the same as... As repair? Yeah, 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 yeah. like you're just um, like a But you just
3: build it, like building. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
2: <laughs> Well, let's talk about reframe, because that's the one that you're like... Mm-hmm. If I told you I had a beautiful red rose, a picture of a red rose in a frame, red, ra- red frame, and I wanted to make that red rose pop, so I'm going to reframe it... Um. What do you think that would mean?
3: Like maybe I think it might mean like change the frame to make it pop more.
2: Yeah, just put it in a different frame. Yeah, that's
3: just like. Nope.
2: I don't know what color like would make a red rose pop. What do you think? Like maybe,
3: yellow? Maybe black because it's more like. Oh yeah, dark black and frame. Then, and red is like more. Oh, I love that. Like, okay. More like this.
2: Should I find a picture of a red rose that I want to frame? Thank you for your advice. Um, we went to the beach the other day and made a sandcastle. Yes, it was sand amazing. Castle.
3: It was amazing. Do you want
2: to tell them the story of our sandcastle?
3: Well, our sandcastle was named
2: Chateau de Ladybug Lake.
3: And we were making the sandcastle like a normal sandcastle on top but then we pressed too hard down and the whole half of our sandcastle just
2: the whole side of it fell yeah, off like, just like we had this whole mound and oh uh. so what did we do
3: well we rebuilt it and mm-hmm, fixed mm-hmm. it and yep, we
2: repaired and we rebuilt mm-hmm.
3: and then we found this new way to put more buildings on it and we didn't really think it was going to work but then it did and we just plopped a sandcastle on the side and yeah. we thought it wasn't going to work we but had it this did. whole
2: like Vision of how we could like reframe sandcastles and make them mm-hmm. something different than you usually would yeah. see, right? Like
3: peas are normally just mm-hmm.
2: straight up. Straight up. And instead we had like one on the side. Like, it was pretty cool. We're yeah. dreamers out here. So, <laughs> Uh, We will show you a little video from when we made our sandcastle, but we hope, me and Olivia, hope that this has helped you understand the words better and that you will now use your hands and your feet to bring good into the world just like we did with Chateau de Ladybug Lake. Yeah. Moved by Chateau de
0: Ladybug Lake. Complete with a ladybug
2: graveyard. Yes. And a moat. Made by me and...
1: Me! <laughs> <laughs> Alright,
2: all. All well, we hope you were um, good and we will see a hamba you later. Let's count them out. One, One two, two,
1: three! three. Be your mom.
0: child gonna be when she grows up, but wow! Right? (laughs) Something else. This is the time in our community when we gather ourselves for prayer, and just as we do that I want to acknowledge a couple of things. One is that somebody had a name change and a status change um, and got married. Janae Williams Johnston got married! And the person Janae married um, was our chair of our consistory. And Darren has rolled off. And we have a new chair of consistory. Who doesn't know that I'm about to say this? But anyway, her name is Vicki Burns. And she's the new chair. Stand up. There you go. Okay, that's enough embarrassing people. Um, You have a heart full of love, you have a heart full of dreams, you have hearts full of disappointment, worry, uh, fear, anxiety, um, and resilience. And so I'm going to invite us to like a few seconds of silent prayer so you can do you with God, and then I'm going to lead us in a prayer, okay? So everybody breathe again. and just do you. Holy God, St. Francis wrote a beautiful prayer asking you to make him an instrument of your peace. This is my prayer today, God, for us here in this place, that you would make us instruments, tools, for making peace on earth, shalom on earth, St. Francis said, where there is hatred, let me sow love. God, help us to sow seeds of the fiercest love of all. In the dirt where there is pain and heartache, in the soil where there is suffering and bewilderment, in the places where there is purposeful enmity being cooked, lies being told, energies that would thwart the building of your reign on earth, God, make us seed planters of love. Where there's hurt, God, where we've been wounded, where others have been wounded, we pray that you will give us the ability to forgive and to pardon. God, when we have doubt, We pray that you would give us just a morsel more faith, just a little bit more faith. Faith that the disciples say that Jesus said can move mountains. Faith that through you we can do all things. Faith that what breaks our heart doesn't have the last word. Faith that we can make loving, just, whole community right here, right now. Lord, God, give us wisdom to know the difference between what is true and holy and just and what is false and broken. Help us to free ourselves from religion that sticks our feet in the mud and binds us to the values of the world make us instruments of change, and restoration, and repair, and reformation. In other words, God, where there is white supremacist ideology masquerading as Christianity, give us the ability to speak truth to power and to make a change, so that love wins, so that love rules, so that love is the ethic, so that love is the religion of the populace. Help us to make a space that's space enough for black and brown and marginalized people. Help us to make space enough for all of the people, no matter who they love and how they love them. Help us make space enough for all the genders. Help us to really create a world, God, that represents your dream, your dream for us. We pray specific prayers of Thanksgiving for our friends who have been sick and who have recovered. We pray prayers for those who are still struggling in their bodies with COVID or arthritis or just colds. We pray prayers specifically for our electeds who have drunk some stanky Kool-Aid that we could love them back into wellness. This is our prayer that we be the change we seek. In your many names and in the name of the brown one you sent to heal us, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I moved away from the mic with my eyes closed. Sorry, y'all. Can you? Hope you heard me. Can you please, if you feel able to stand and say the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples with me? If not, say it from your seat. God can still hear you. Let us pray the prayer the way you know it, the way you learned it, in the language that's comfortable for you. Ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be your name, your your reign come, your will will be done, done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for yours is the reign and the power and the glory forever. Amen. is peace that passes understanding. And even though the CDC doesn't think there's still COVID, there is. So let us love each other well and be safe. Watch the other person's body for signs. Do not grab people in inappropriate ways. (laughs) Peace be with you, middle family. (laughs)
4: Make us one. What? Wow.
5: furniture. Here. And now hear a word of scripture from the prophet Jeremiah. Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, not a God far away? Who can hide in the secret places so that I cannot see them? Do I not fill the heaven and the earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets say who prophesy lies in my name. They say, I had a dream. I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their own minds? They think that the dreams they tell one another will make my people forget my name. But let the prophet who has a dream recount the dream. But let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces? The word of God for the people of God. Would you say a prayer with me? God, may the words of mine and Jackie's mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight and healing for a world that needs it pray this in your heavenly name. Amen. Amen. So, did any of you ever get insecure about your faith? To be clear, I, I don't actually mean moments of doubt or uncertainty about God or our relationship to the divine. Actually, I think that those are an expression of our faith, not its absence. What I mean is that living in a country where Christianity is so frequently equated to a violent fascist white evangelicalism, do you ever find yourself acting like somehow our faith is the one that's twisting God's words? Listen, I, I know in my bones that Jesus was not preaching that foolishness. I believe with all that I am and all that I have in a God who is presently at work for universal liberation. I've studied my scriptures, i read my theology, I've studied it in some original languages, but then suddenly I will find myself at a barbecue and someone will ask what I do for a living and instead of just saying, I'm a minister, they're gonna get a whole thesis project. I'm a minister at this church in the East Village in New York City, not not that kind of minister. This church is super queer, it has really good artists, it's active in organizing for justice and hosts anti-racist education classes. I'll go on and on and start noticing the vaguely glazed look in the eyes of the person who just wanted to know what I did for a living. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I, I know why I do that. And if you answer something similar when someone asks if you're religious, I understand why you do that too in a cultural landscape where Christianity carries assumptions about homophobia, transphobia, racism, antisemitism, Islamophobia, ecological subjugation, economic exploitation, we want to make it clear, no, 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 I'm not that kind of Christian. But I've begun to fear that when that's our habitual reflexive reaction, we frame the true gospel, Jesus' lived word that beckons the world toward freedom, as if it were some kind of deviation from the faith, when it's actually the rising Christian fascism that so clearly violates both God's love and the Bible. Reading our scripture today, we find the prophet Jeremiah amid similar circumstances. But in order to understand just how deeply Jeremiah's questions resonate with our own time, we need to know a little bit about the history that surrounds his words. Jeremiah is writing in the middle of the Babylonian exile. After Babylon sacked the city of Jerusalem, they forced the Israelites to leave their homeland and marched them into the capital city of Babylon. It's unclear when exactly Jeremiah's testimony is recorded, but biblical scholars believe it happened sometime within that 70 years of captivity. 70 years is long enough that surely many of the folks in exile began to wonder if they would ever see their home again. In the middle of this trauma, forced migration coupled with uncertainty about any kind of future hope, Jeremiah and other theologians are offering answers about what caused this calamity, about what people can do to restore their homeland that they long to return to. One of the dominant interpretations is that God caused this suffering to punish the Israelites for their unfaithfulness. If we're honest, this is a place that our minds can go to in a time of crisis. Paradoxically, it can almost feel like a comfort to blame ourselves because the only thing that is less tolerable than being responsible for a tragedy is the truth that sometimes bad things happen to good people, too. But Jeremiah is doing something else in this passage that I want to focus on this morning. Reflecting on the horror that has unfolded, Jeremiah puts these words into God's mouth. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their own minds? They think that the dreams they tell one another will make my people forget my name. And here, we get something closer to the truth. God does not will anyone to suffer. The people's pain and trauma are not caused by God but by people who have lied in God's name, conspiring to make all of us forget the kind of love that God demands, the claims for justice that God has placed on all of our lives. The exile in Jeremiah's retelling doesn't actually begin with the destruction of Jerusalem. It begins the moment that people start to lie about God. And whew, if that does not resonate with the kind of exile we find ourselves in now, Lies about God have grown so thick that they entomb our Bibles like a pernicious womb, birthing oppression instead of liberation. If Satan is the father of lies, daddy's been busy. I mean, just look around at the cultural conversation we're having around abortion bans. I mean, Still, even in mainstream publications like the New York Times, I see articles with headlines like, why repealing Roe is a win for religious voters, framing the gutting of people's fundamental health care and bodily autonomy as if it were a victory for God. I spoke recently with a friend who's eight months pregnant in a state where abortion is banned in all circumstances. It's banned in all the neighboring states, too. I asked her how she was doing, and she told me bluntly about her fears—that something would go wrong with the pregnancy and that there would be nothing that the doctors could legally do to save her life. What do you do in these circumstances? You can't just get into a car and drive to the neighboring state. This is supposed to be the justice that God desires? Elsewhere, I read about Christian fascists who've created baby drop boxes. You know, the kind of receptacles where you might put an overdue library book for babies. So people who did not want to have a baby can be forced to have that baby and then anonymously place the baby in a bin. And we're supposed to believe that this is the world that God wants? On Friday. I saw two buses full of migrant neighbors who Greg Abbott sent up from Texas to punish New York for our loving immigration laws. And I saw New Yorkers of all faiths coming together to offer welcome, and food, and clothing, and legal aid. Both of those people, Greg Abbott and us, are making claims about God. But you tell me, where is God living? this is not a question without consequences. Last week marked the 10-year anniversary of the massacre at the Oak Creek Gurdwara. And synagogues like the one that we are worshiping in right now have to take extreme measures of protection because too many have followed Christian fascism to its only conclusion—extermination. Over and over again, we see this kind of savagery justified by invoking the divine name. Want to cap the price of insulin? Well, maybe God wants people to go into medical debt to teach them about personal responsibility. Want to cut emissions that are destroying God's creation? Actually, God told us to subdue and dominate nature. Want to ban the weapons that are slaughtering our children and our neighbors? Actually, God wants every person to be armed. You know, if Jesus had an AR-15, maybe he wouldn't have been crucified. That's a literal thing that Lauren Boebert said. A congressperson. Lie after lie after lie about God, lies that serve patriarchy, lies that serve white supremacy, lies that make people forget who God is and what God demands. Is it any wonder that so many of us talk about our faith with a laundry list of disclaimers? But into this mess, Jeremiah's voice calls out again. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets, a cry in the wilderness a yearning for the living God. But Jeremiah also offers a prescription. Remember who God is, who God has always been. Who can hide in the secret places so I cannot see them, asks God. When we live into the truth of who God is, that is what allows us to dispel the falsehoods that have been told about Jesus. In a world where those lies have crucified him again and again, Truth becomes our resurrection. And now I invite Jackie up to talk a little bit more about who that God is that we need to remember.
0: Thank you so much, Ben. Jeremiah's word from God continues on in this pericope in the message version. I've had it with prophets who preach the lies they dream up, spreading them all over the country, ruining the lies of my people with their cheap, reckless lies. I never sent these prophets, never authorized a single one of them. They do nothing for this people, nothing. Jeremiah's call is a call to true religion, to true connectedness, to binding ourselves together with God, which is what religion actually means, to bind together, to build a just and moral and loving and peace-filled society, a world in which children are cherished and have clean water to drink and food in their bellies and clothes on their backs and safe streets in which to play, a world in which older people, don't have to choose between their housing payments and their health care. A world in which the Supreme Court and our electeds are not allowed to impose a white nationalist so-called Christian agenda on the rest of us in a pluralistic nation. An anti-racist world in which all the bodies, no matter skin tone or physiognomy, no matter language or nationality, no matter which faith or no faith at all, no matter sexuality and gender, all the bodies are seen as beautiful representations of the image of God in the world. Jeremiah's calling is a call to truth. And I can hear some folks saying now, and I'm going to get it in my, in my inbox, right? <laughs> saying now, how do you know? How do you know which one's the truth? How do you know? How can you tell? As was true then and is true now, there will always be prophets and preachers and teachers who teach two kinds of lies, one, is the feel-good lie. Here's how this one goes. No matter how much the world is suffering, no matter how many immigrants are held in detention centers, which are actually jails, no matter how many are shipped up from Texas into this state or into DC, no matter what, feel good, y'all, feel good. Because you're a Christian and you go to church and you're a Christian in your heart and everything is going to be all right. No matter how many people live below the poverty line, no matter how many little black boys are profiled by their, you know, nursery school teachers, and no matter how many black bodies are shot in the streets, no matter how large the wage gap is between blacks and whites, feel good because you're a Christian in your heart, and everything is going to be all right. The feel-good lie allows us to look away from suffering, It allows us to, in fact, tell ourselves the reason they're suffering is because there's something wrong with them. They didn't pray hard enough. They didn't do the right thing. They're not holy enough to survive and have a good life. The feel-good lie says to us, as long as it doesn't touch our families, it just doesn't matter. We stand outside of injustices because we are not in it together, and we don't have to think about them at all. We might say a prayer for them, but we might not. The feel-good lie claims that there is peace when there is injustice, and Jeremiah is saying where there is no justice, there is no peace. And whereas that's bad, the bigger lie, I think the biggest lie of all, is this one. Are you ready? You know what it is. God is white. God is white. Sorry, but it's true. God is white. God is white, heterosexual, male, rich, and powerful, because this God has been created in their own image. And this God that is Christian also hates all the other religions, hates all the people who are not Christian, and also only likes the kind of Christian that likes whiteness. This lie says that Christianity is a small country club religion, with maybe 144,000 folks going to heaven. And the rest of us are all going to hell. And our job is to make sure, make sure we're in the number so we don't get left out when the rapture comes. (laughs) This white God has a growing congregation and his prophets, because he is a he and he does have a penis, have created God in their image and they have hymns and prayers and rituals and policies and talking points and conferences about how to put on the whole armor of God and protect whiteness at all costs. These white nationalist Christian-ish ideologies, put anti-Muslim, anti-Semitic, anti-Black, anti-Hispanic, anti-queer right in the center of public discourse, claiming the airwaves to spew hatred. And then we who believe in freedom are supposed to believe maybe our brand of Christianity isn't the gospel. After all, this lie makes folks feel special and important. This lie is the empire lie. It's not a new lie. It's the lie that oppresses the nations and calls it a Roman peace. It's the lie that creates a papal bull that says, hey, nice white people, please get on boats. Go to the lands where the dark heathens live. Take the lands and make them Christian. It's the doctrine of discovery lie. It's the Holocaust-causing. Apartheid-causing, death-dealing lie. Land-grabbing, enslavement lie. It's death and it has got to go. It's gotta go. Jeremiah's challenge to us is to remember who God is, to put God back together again for who God is in our imaginations, in our hearts, to rediscover the God of liberation, the God of justice, the God of generosity, the God of love, the God of healing, and the God of wholeness. A God who rescues exiles and delivers them even from this lying land in which we find ourselves and returns them to their best self, to their holiest, most whole self. Jeremiah is calling the church home from our exile in this land of lies for us not to be the church of the world, but to be the church creating a world, a world in which love is the ethic that guides our life. That's why Middle Church's vision statement says, in part, Middle Church affirms the transformative power of moral imagination, reclaiming and reframing Christianity in our walls, on the streets, and in the digital spaces around the globe. That's an ambitious vision, y'all. But it's the one you wrote. (laughs) You wrote it. You did it. You said it. And we don't just stick it up on some whiteboard and read it every now and then. We are trying to preach this gospel of reclaim and reframe. We're trying to live out this gospel of rebuild and restore. And we're going to do it with your help. And we're going to do it together. And we are not going to rest until we get back to the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus that apply to humankind, not to Christians. Do you feel me? Ain't nobody, I don't care how you call yourself. Rabbi Jesus' teaching is love your God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you don't believe in God, we don't care. Believe in love. Believe in love. Believe in love. Love period. Because everything else is what? Everything else is commentary. That's right. So we, middle family, are gonna get back to Yeshua, our rabbi, our, our mentor, our teacher. And we're going to ask ourselves always, what would Jesus do? What would love, what would love have us do? It is our calling to disrupt fake Christianity. I'm going to say that again. It's our calling to disrupt fake Christianity. It's our calling to disrupt fake Christianity. And we're not going to be nice about it. We're not going to be at the dinner table hearing some BS, bad stuff that (laughs) causes us to be bigoted toward our neighbor and keep our mouths closed in the name of niceness. We are not going to stand idly by why, in the name of Jesus, the corruption in the church kills more and more people. We are not going to stand by. We are going to break it down by the sermons we preach, and the music we sing, and the gatherings we have, and the way we move in the world, and the way we teach our little people, and what we say in social media, and what we do on the streets. We are going to put an end to the death-dealing fascist, pretend, fake, white nationalist, Christian-ish movement. And we are going to do it starting right now. We're going to take it to the polls. We're going to take it to the streets. We're going to take it to the dinner table. We are not going to allow fascism to hijack our love. Somebody say amen. amen. Come on, Ben. Ben's going to come up and somebody say amen again. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm undone.
5: Are we done? No, I said, I'm undone. <laughs> so, what is the kind of love that takes us from these lies to the truth about Jesus?
0: Um, when I was younger, I thought being nice, being Christian, meant silent, quiet assent to BS. What it actually is is that we are required to have a temple tantrum when we see some stuff that's going down that's wrong. We are required to mobilize some anger and some disgust and some disappointment and stop being nanny pammy and pretending like everything goes because it does not.
5: Well, and the thing that I love that you're talking about here is that it's getting back to the, 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 the real Jesus. Yes, right. I mean, you have these people who are, you know, the Mike, Mike Flynn at his Reawaken America tour, right. talking about, oh, we need to put on the armor of God. Well, God didn't put on armor.
0: Right. That's right. God put on some, like, little brown baby flesh, some stinky diapers, and then grew up <laughs> and put on
5: love. God, if God wanted to come as a conqueror, God would have come as a conqueror, right. and God chose not to. And that should, if we're Christians, inform the way that we move through the world.
0: Absolutely, Ben. I'm just going to say, put it right here. Put it right here and make it plain. There's too much at stake. Too much at stake for us to pretend that hating our neighbor is what Jesus wants. There's too much at stake for us to imagine that God who created us all in love, in God's image, somehow didn't create queer people queer. There's too much at stake to not imagine the beautiful diversity of God's creation around race and ethnicity is by design. And we have to love all the people all the time. We're going to love the hell out of these people. Hell yeah.
6: Good morning, Middle Church. My name's Beth Ellor and I may be one of the earliest members of Middle, still attending regularly. Um, I was looking for a church in 1991 when my son was about three and I realized I wanted him to have the same kind of spiritual grounding that I had had as a child. So it had to be diverse, inclusive, child-friendly, welcoming, multi-generational. You know, all the things you naturally look for in a church, right? All these things appeared in Middle as soon as we started attending. My son would play under the pews, and that was fine. Gordon Tract was the minister then, and many of his hallmark innovations were already in full swing. The gospel choir, the arts, the youth outreach, the inclusion of all faiths and none and the constant ministry to marginalized communities which abounded in the East Village, and still do. Over time, we became involved in many of the activities, the weekly momentum, meals for clients with AIDS, drug addiction, homelessness, the funerals and commitment ceremonies for members rejected or ostracized by other churches. AIDS had ravaged the arts and fashion communities that I had been a part of, and to find such a loving, supportive community was wonderful. Then, 18 years ago, Reverend Jackie took up the mantle and, as we know, built and transformed the very meaning of an activist church. As her message resonated, I've been drawn closer into the community, becoming a collegiate deacon. The clarity of her spiritual guidance, the focus on direct action, the response to injustice, to struggles, both personal and universal. In a sense, she's reclaimed Jesus from the hierarchy of institutional rhetoric and empowered us to see our own role in the world, not as passive bystanders, but as participants in the beloved community. Now comes the important conclusion of my message. Whatever you has brought you to Middle, know that for however long or how briefly you you stay, your gifts and participation are part of a living, breathing community which is strengthened by every one of us. Please consider becoming a member and adding your voice, your participation, and your financial support. To become a member, go to middlechurch.org. And fill out the member form to get started, and then plan to join a new members class so we can get to know you better. Explore the website for small groups, upcoming activities, and resources for prayer and personal care. You will always be welcome. To make a donation to help fund this movement, scan the link on the screen or use Venmo to send directly to middlechurch.org. So you are very welcome. Have a wonderful day.
7: Oh, yeah, oh, oh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm taking my freedom, putting it off the shelf, putting it on my chain. Went around my neck, I'm taking my freedom, putting it in my car, wherever I choose to go. It will take me back, I'm living my, like golden, living my life like it's golden. 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 Feel free to sing. I'm living my life like it's golden. Song, singing loud and strong, groping all day long. I'm taking my freedom, putting it in my stroll. I'll be high, y'all, I let the joy unfold. I'm living my life like it's good, and living my life like.
0: Let the ushers come forward, please, and please stand as you are able. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this offering today. God, give us the boldness and the confidence to use these gifts on the side of justice and freedom in the world. It is in your name that is with love and power we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: What a powerful, powerful service. I'm asking you to stand again as you are able for our closing hymn. Yeah, one more time, one more time. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. We're going to sing verses one through three.
0: Thank you so much, Tina. I'm going to Benedict, and then I'm going to ask us to sit and talk a second. So stay standing though right now, because there's a lot up and down. Just stay with us. Thank you, Ben, for that beautiful duet. I'm so blessed that part of what you do is send me out in the world to talk and think and learn and see. And in my travels, I see so much love, so much love, so much goodness, so much kindness. But in my travels, I also see the really wicked ways that this kind of fascism is getting embedded not only in Christianity, but in our religious spaces. And with a broken heart, I say, we middle family have been given a charge, a change to make. We are called to be the change. How many of you in the room are deacons, elders, local? Raise your hands, right? Got a lot of leaders here. That's right, Linda. And how many of you are ministers of the the good news of, of gospel? Okay. so let me ask that again. How many of you are ministers? Okay. that's right. That's the right answer. How many of you are called by God to do a bold new thing on the earth, to, which is no less than to love the hell out of the world? So I'm so lucky to be semi-in-charge-ish <laughs> of such a beautiful community <laughs> because you're just beyond my imagination the way we love the world. So let's just dig in, okay? Let's dig in, let's dig in. And don't let our anger or our fear cause us to be paralyzed. Let's dig in, okay? We can do this, we can do this. We must do this, and we will. God bless you and keep you. God make her face shine upon you. God lift up their countenance upon you and give you peace, amen.